I want to begin this morning with a quote. I want to know whether you agree with C.S. Lewis when he says this. There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. Now, if this is true, then we are in the midst of an unseen battle just as strategic as the war in Israel or the war in the Ukraine, and even more strategic than that. However, if it's not true, then we are to keep calm and carry on. <laughs> Though, it is hard to make sense. If you don't believe this, it is very hard to make sense about how come evil, once mankind or a nation seems to think they've got evil sorted, it bubbles up even worse than before. I mean, how do we take that into account? So our passage this morning, what we're going to look at is a passage that deals directly with the devil. I'll read the passage out and then we'll look at our focus. So the passage we're going to look at this morning and focus on is uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. It says this, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. So we're going to have a threefold focus this morning as we explore this passage. We're going to look at the devil, who he is, and then we're going to look at how we can resist the devil, and then how we can overcome the devil. So the devil, resisting, and overcoming. So, first of all, the devil, and the first thing we can take out of our passage is that there is a devil. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Now, for some this is obvious, and for others this is ludicrous. However, the Bible is clear. The devil is an evil, supernatural personality. A supernatural, personal force of tremendous evil and power. Now, to describe this, the Bible uses different titles or names for the devil, including a roaring lion, the great red dragon, a strong man, the god of this world, and the prince of the power of air. Now, in the Bible, it's just not a few authors like Peter and Paul that talk about the devil, but Jesus himself. Jesus himself clearly understood that the devil was an evil, supernatural personality. Uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 31. It's just one of the verses that showed us. Now here Jesus is talking to Peter, but he refers to Peter as Simon. Many of us will know that Peter was originally called Simon and that Jesus renamed him Peter. So he's talking to Peter here when he says these words. Luke 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Notice how Jesus treats the devil as a evil, supernatural personality. But also, notice here what one of the main aims of the devil is. One of the main aims of the devil is to undermine, to destroy our faith. That was what the devil wanted to do with Peter, but Jesus prayed that he wouldn't and put a stop to it. And so that brings us to the function. What's the devil's function? The devil's function is to oppose God in every way that he can. And we've already seen this really in the two verses we've looked at. 
Our 1 Peter passage tells us that Satan is wanting to devour Christians. And of course, we just had a look at Jesus, that passage in Luke, where the devil works at undermining our faith. So the devil opposes God in every way he can, including opposing us. As the father of lies, the devil spreads falsehood and undermines God's word. The devil casts doubt on God's goodness and destroys obedience to our faith when he can. The devil opposes the gospel being proclaimed and distracts and undermines mission strategies. But there's also a big picture here, a big picture that we see in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So notice that here it's very clear that there's a clash of two kingdoms. There is the dominion and the rule of Satan, and there is the kingdom, the rule of Jesus. You see, before we were saved, we were under the domain or the rule of darkness. However, thanks be to God, Christians have been transferred out of Satan out of the devil's domain into the kingdom of God. Now, because the devil hates losing any of his subjects, he seeks to take us back by force. He attempts to devour and undermine the faith of believers so that we get sucked back under the domain of darkness. So, in the supernatural, there is this clash between the dominion of darkness and the kingdom of God. So that's the devil's function, what the devil does. But the good news is that the devil has been defeated and defeated on the cross. And we pick this up in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. And this is the verse that I started with this morning, our call to worship. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, this verse pulls out of imagery that was very common in the first century of Caesar and Rome. So when Caesar would conquer a nation, he would take captives and booty, and he would bring it to the city of Rome, and he and his forces would march at the head of a parade, and following in chains would be prisoners, defeated, mighty warriors, might even be the king and the queen of the country that he defeated, and they would parade through the streets of Rome with Caesar at the front, and the crowds would cheer Caesar, and they would boo the captives, and then Caesar would take his place on his throne, and he would pronounce judgment. Often it would be the killing of the key people of the nation and the rest of the people going to be his slaves. And this is exactly the imagery. um, The words used in this verse are the same imagery and words used to describe that. So we are told that on Good Friday, Satan was defeated and that in the heavenly of heavens, he was paraded as a defeated foe, in the same way that Caesar would parade a defeated king of a, of a nation and parade him through Rome. And so Satan is very much defeated. The devil and the demons have been soundly put in their place by Christ's death and resurrection. And so here's the thing. We mustn't fall into the misbelief that God and the devil are equal and opposite. And that's that's a, a teaching, an idea, a worldview that comes from Eastern religions. 
yin and yang. And so in Eastern religions, they have good and evil as equal and opposite. And in their worldview, it's only when those two are in tension that life can go well. And that's filtered down into Western belief. And that's not true at all. Satan, even before the cross, Satan was nowhere near as powerful of God. He was a created being. And certainly after the cross, he is not. He is even less powerful. However, though defeated, the devil still fights on. And we compare this to the Allies landing in occupied France in the Second World War. So we'll use this as an illustration. We'll shift gears and go back to June 1944, when the Allies established a bridgehead in Normandy, France, from which they could then spread out and recapture the rest of Europe and rescue them from the Nazis. Now, many historians point to the victory in Normandy as the decisive turning point of the Second World War, even though there was almost a year of fighting to follow. And in an even greater way, it's the same with the devil. The devil is defeated. He is a foe fighting a rearguard action that is doomed. In the same way that when the, the Allies broke out of Normandy, the Germans just fought rearguard action after rearguard action until they were defeated. However, even though this is a rearguard and doomed fight, Satan can still inflict damage. And that's why we must uh, turn to the next part of our passage and look at how we can resist. How do we resist? Well, the verses, all the, all the instructions, either side of the description of the lion that is roaring, tell us how we are to resist. Notice the words either side as we flick back to 1 Peter. So notice these words, be self-controlled and alert. And then it says, resist him standing firm in the faith. Be self-controlled and alert. Resist him standing firm. So for us to resist the devil, we must be self-controlled and alert. That's how we stand firm in the faith. So let's look at both of those. How are we to be self-controlled? How are we to be alert? Well, let's start off with being alert. Being alert means that we recognize, we recognize that the devil exists and that he has schemes against God and God's people. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So we are alert to the schemes of the devil. Now, C.S. Lewis gives us, uh, I think, a really good perspective on this with an observation. Uh, you may have heard of this before. It's from the Screwtape Letters, the introduction to the book Screwtape Letters. And he writes this, There are two equal and opposite errors to which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased with both errors. So we are alert to those who deny and scoff the existence of devil. So we know that the majority of people outside the church, and even some people inside the church, deny the existence of the devil. We are alert, because that's one of his strategies. 
But we're also aware that some people have an unhealthy interest in devil and demons and see a demon under every rock or even under their bed. And so they become fearful. And so we are alert to our Christians and brothers and sisters who may be overly fearful of of the devil and ourselves not fall into that trap. When it comes to this strategy, um, Tim Keller has a useful example. And in the United States, uh, there's a lizard that lives in the desert. And if you get close to it, it puffs itself up, stands on its hind legs, hisses, it has spikes on its back that kind of stick out, and, and it tries to look scarier than it really is. It tries to frighten its prey away. However, if you get even a bit closer to it, it changes tacks, and it closes its eyes, falls on the ground, and reduces to normal size, and plays dead. And it's similar with the devil. <laughs> he loves to appear more powerful than he is. Or he's equally happy to be considered dead so he can work behind the scenes. That's one of the schemes of the devil. He either encourages people not to believe him at all, or he presents himself to be very fearful and powerful to try and overwhelm people. But with the Bible by our side, we are alert to these schemes and to other schemes. So we're alert. Now the second thing we're told to do is to be self-controlled. Now self-controlled in what way? Well, we are to be self-controlled with respect to sin. Now, let's consider what the Apostle Paul says about this in Ephesians 4. Now here in Ephesians 4, Paul is telling his readers to exercise self-control when it comes to their behavior, when it comes to sin. He says, he has a list. He says, uh, don't speak falsehood, falsehoods to each other. Don't sin when you're angry. Don't steal. Don't use foul language. And he has this list. And then in the middle of this list, he has these words. Do not give the devil a foothold. You see, when we lie, when we sin, when we're angry, when we steal, when we use foul language, and the list goes on, we give the devil a foothold. And if we give the devil a foothold, our ability to resist him decreases and our chance of being devoured by the roaring lion, or at least badly mauled, increases. The Bible is clear we must not give a foothold to the devil through sin that is persistent and unrepentant. Now we all sin, however if we recognize that and deal with it and repent, that sin is dealt with. And we are, means that we haven't give Satan a foothold. But if we sin and don't repent and don't turn from it, then Satan going as a foothold. It's a little bit like this. Imagine a piano. In the piano, the strings are our sin, and the devil is the piano player. Now what happens if the piano has no string, no strings at all? What happens when the piano player plays? It's just a, it's just a, no music, it's just a thud, a, a quiet thud. And so when we don't sin and the, Satan tries to play the piano, there's nothing. But when we sin, it's the same as putting a string in the piano and gives him something to play. The Bible insists time and time again that the devil and our sin are bound up together and the way to deal with the devil is to deal with our sin. Here's another quote. It's a, it's a quote from, actually, 
a book written two three hundred years ago, but and so the language is a little bit old, but it's such a lovely quote by a guy called uh, William Gurnall, and the book is The Christian in Complete Armour. That's a good title for a book, isn't it? The Christian in Complete Armour. And this is what he writes. If men hear a noise at night, they cry, the devil, the devil, and they run for their life. But they are carrying the devil around them in their very hearts all day. For if you have a proud spirit, or if you have resentment, or if you have anxiety, you are under the devil's power. He is setting you up in a precarious place. My friends, why don't you run from your pride, crying, the devil, the devil? Why don't you run from your resentment and your grudges, yelling, the devil, the devil, run from these in terror? Makes the point, doesn't it? Even though the language is a little bit old, I think that's uh, you know, a really helpful quote. Now, getting back to our 1 Peter passage, out of the many footholds we can give to the devil, Peter emphasizes two. In, in verses 5 to 7, he emphasizes pride. We don't give the devil a foothold when it comes to our pride. And in verses, verse 7, he reminds us that anxiety or fear, fear can give the devil a foothold. Now, there are many other footholds, but let's stick with Peter's two and briefly go about seeing how we can protect ourselves from the prowling lion by resisting our pride and resisting our fears. So, first of all, resisting our pride. And we're very familiar with this this bit now, but a few verses early, and what I preached on a couple of weeks ago was this. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I spent a whole sermon on resisting pride, how on nurturing humility, and seeing how we could be better at following Jesus' example. And if you haven't seen it or want to refresh yourself, then it's on the website for you to have a look. But the key summary there was that as we look to the interests of others, our pride is decreased and our humility increased. And the devil is particularly attuned to the use of pride to cause downfall because it was pride that caused Satan's downfall. Now, the clues in the Bible point to an archangel by the name of Lucifer who attempted to grasp equality with God by causing an uprising in heaven. And he and a third of the angels rose up against God and were soundly beaten. And as a punishment, the devil and his horde were cast out from heaven to plague the earth. And we see this in the words of Jesus. Notice what he says to his followers after they returned from a, a short-term missionary trip. And notice this. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. See, Jesus knew about the devil's expulsion from heaven firsthand and Jesus knew it was because of pride. And so we are too very careful to root out pride in our lives so the devil has no foothold. Now the second foothold that Peter talks about is worry or anxiety. 
And we see this in verse uh, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Last week, we looked at practical ways of casting our anxiety and our fears onto our Heavenly Father who cares for us. And again, the sermon's online, and if you missed it, you can have a look at it there. Um, But the basic point was, or the basic um, uh, skill, was we reduce our fears by going to God in prayer with liberal amounts of thanksgiving. Like I said, there's more about the, the practice of that in my message. And so, resisting. How do we resist the devil? We don't give him a foothold by not sinning, in particular pride and with our fears, but in any way of sinning, and that's how we resist the devil. What about overcoming? What? How do we overcome? Well, we overcome as we resist. You see, it's not like one of us standing in front of a hungry lion and then that lion, and us trying to resist that lion, and all chances we'd be mauled to death. But because Satan is a defeated lion, it's like his teeth have been pulled out. So he may roar, but he's got no fangs and he's got no teeth. And so the Bible tells us that when we resist, we can overcome. And we see that in the Colossians verse here. You see, the devil is like that that lizard pretending to be dead. You know, it may rear on its hind legs and pretend to scare us, but at the end of the day, it has no bite. Remember Colossians 2.15, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And because of that triumph, when we resist, we can overcome. And again, back to that Luke passage we just had a look at. Notice that bit where Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then he says, I have given you authority to overcome the power of the enemy. Every believer has the ability, the power to overcome the power of the enemy by resisting, by standing firm on God's word. Uh, We talked about this last week about Jesus when he was tempted. How did he resist the temptations? He quoted scripture back to Satan. He resisted and overcame. And it can be the same for us as we resist, as we uh, claim the scripture. Then not only will we resist, but we will overcome. Now we see this in James chapter 4 verses 6 and 7. Now this passage in James is almost a carbon copy of what Peter's saying in the passage we looked at. You'll notice that when I read this, you'll notice three or four similarities. So James chapter 4 verse 6. This is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Where have you seen that before? And then he goes on to say in verse 7, Submit yourselves to God then, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So notice all the parallels there. James uses the same proverb about pride that Peter does. James asks us to submit to God and to humble ourselves just like Peter does. James asks us to resist the devil just like Peter does. But then James adds something else. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so we have this promise in James of resisting the devil the devil fleeing, and us overcoming. Now, much more can be said. Much, much more can be said. In fact, there's a lot of stuff I had to not include in this message, otherwise it would balloon down. But let's pull what we've looked at together today. What have we looked at? Well, 1 Peter reinforces what the rest of the Bible makes clear. There is a devil, an evil, supernatural personality who is 100% opposed to God. 
And though the devil was decisively defeated at the cross, he continues, the devil continues an effective rearguard action. And one of the aims is to totally destroy our faith. And so the Bible calls us to be self-controlled alert, self-controlled and alert, so that we will not allow the devil a foothold in our life through sin. Now, none of us is perfect. We all fall short. However, as we are quick to confess and repent from the heart, as we ask Jesus to be more real to us and for the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, then our sin is dealt with and the devil does not gain a foothold. And the devil is the father of lies, and so he'll often lie to us and he'll say things like, oh, your sin is too great, or he'll say, oh, you're too weak to resist me. Think of that lizard pretending that it can bite when it can't. But he's quite happy to do that with Christians. Oh, you're too weak. But we reply that though we sin, Jesus has won the victory on the cross. Satan is a defeated foe. And that God's love for us, Jesus' victory for us, is much greater than any of our sin and more powerful than any of the devil's schemes. And so we stand firm. And as we do so, as we stand for, so, the devil will flee. And this is the battle that we're in. And though at sometimes it can be quite intense, victory is assured as we cling to him who gave his life for us, that we may share in the victory of the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the victory that Jesus won on the cross. We thank you that Satan is defeated. And with all the demons and his, the hordes that follow him, Lord, Lord, that you have marched them triumphantly and made a public spectacle of them. Uh, help us, Lord, to make this real in our life. Help us to be self-controlled. Help us to be alert. Help us, Lord, to resist the devil, Lord, and to walk in the victory that Jesus has won for us. While we have that confidence as the Holy Spirit moves in our lives, we pray. And we pray, Lord, for people in our lives that we may know where Satan has a hold, that that hold may be broken. Maybe even in our lives there might be an area of our life where Satan has a hold. We pray in Jesus' name that that will be broken and that the love of God will flood in and set free. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.